Hello and welcome to the pregame huddle podcast. We are back after a brief summer hiatus. Um, we will be bringing you all of your college football and NFL needs for the next season. Uh, we'll through the Super Bowl, and then next year we're going to be doing a lot of the offseason stuff too. So uh, we're going to get right into it. Um, with AP poll project uh, reactions to the new AP poll um, guys, I did not like the new, the brand new AP poll. Uh, it is not to my liking. Uh, a lot of the guys have question marks, but uh, what did you guys think? Uh, we'll go to Cody first. Uh, there's a couple of people that I think um, that have a lot of unknowns that were thrown up in the top 10 just for fun, really. Um, I think Notre Dame has a lot of unknowns going on right now. I think Clemson did not – I mean, their offense doesn't look great. Their defense is really good, but I think at four it's a little high for them. Um, A&M's unknown. They don't even have a quarterback named. Uh, Oklahoma's an unknown. You've got everyone that transferred to USC, so – well, with a brand new coach, so you don't really know what's going on there. So I just think there's a lot of just big name programs that they didn't really know. They just want to hype up just for TV reasons. So they just threw them up there. There's not really a lot of proven teams out there right now. So I guess it makes sense. But I think some of those teams are just starting up a little high too early. Yeah, I just think they people is the most pointless thing now with the uh, college football playoff. Uh, it's just basically a start of the year type thing just to get a reaction out of people. Uh, Aaron, what were your initial thoughts about the preseason of people? Well, one, it's it's good to be back. I'm glad we're actually getting the podcast back going. So appreciate that. Um, two, I mean, I, I hate it, quite honestly. Uh, my big my big draw is Clemson um, at, at four. You know, I don't think DJ showed me anything last year to prove to me that he deserves to be the starter for Clemson. And I don't think he has what it takes to lead a number, you know, a top four team in the nation to a college football playoff berth. I really don't. And I think the ACC has been weak in the past five years. I think everyone can agree about that. But the ACC is progressively getting stronger. I think NC State will be a fierce competitor for Clemson this year. And they have no business being ranked in the top four. Uh, a couple other teams, Oklahoma, like Cody was talking about. Um, I know you guys might disagree with me on this. I don't see a way in which Oklahoma should be ranked ahead of USC. Um, I just think I love Brett Venables, but I think there's a lot of question marks, especially when you have that you know big of a quarterback change. Uh, I never understand why Oregon is always ranked inside the top 15 every single year. Um, that will always baffle me. And then um, – I'm a little surprised with how low some SEC teams were. Um, like, you know, more specifically, you got Arkansas, Kentucky, Ole Miss lumped at 19-20-21. Uh, I expected Arkansas to be a little bit higher. I know they're playing 23rd-ranked Cincinnati to open the year, um, which I think Arkansas is going to uh, absolutely kill them. But, you know, you never know. But, um, you know, I was just a little bit surprised by these rankings. Uh, definitely, like Notre Dame at number five, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me either. I just feel like there's other programs that are a little bit more intact that I think um, don't have exactly the talent gap that this poll is indicating that I think could have, you know, come into the top 15. Yeah, I don't think Wake Forest should be ranked without Sam Hartman. I just don't think they're the same football team. Uh, they're a good team. Uh, I kind of touched on it. I think they're more of a top 40, not a top 25 team. Uh, like you guys said, Clemson's offense does not give me top five vibes. Uh, I think, Clay, uh, that Klubinak will be the starting quarterback for Clemson after a couple games. Uh, DJ does not give me the vibes of a guy who's really, really uh, – here for the long haul and, you know, a top 10 pick and all this stuff that he was projected to be after his freshman season. 
Well, I mean, uh, let's let's also look at the fact Tony Elliott, they lost their offensive and defensive coordinator who've been there for, you know, the long haul. Tony Elliott takes job over at uh, Virginia, and um, Brett Venables goes over to Oklahoma. So this is a completely new coaching staff outside of, you know, Dabo Sweeney. Yeah, he did do a good job of hiring within. They had a lot of guys who had been there for a long time. I think the continuity is still there. Uh, I definitely think they're taking a step back. Um but the offense is also taking a step back since Jeff Scott left. True. Uh, to go Very to USF. Uh, I think he was the real brains behind the operation. I've met him a couple times when he was um, he when he was going after T when they were recruiting T, and he just uh, just screams football intelligence. Uh, he's a really really good coach. I think he's finally getting the pieces together at USF. But I really feel like he was the brains behind the offense. Uh, I don't think Tony Elliott's necessarily bad. I think Virginia is a good spot for him to learn. Um, like when we talked about Tennessee was looking at him. I don't think Tennessee is a good first job for a guy who's never been a head coach before. Um, and I agree. I, Virginia kind of gives him that chance. If he doesn't really pan out, he'll be an offense coordinator somewhere else, and nobody's really going to blame him because it's not a super easy job. But if he does really well, he'll be able to make that stepping stone to a better program. Um, I feel like Tennessee should be ranked, uh, not really being biased or anything. I know they're ranked 26 technically. Uh, I think Tennessee did enough this offseason and last season to justify being 25th. I'm not saying 18. I'm saying 25th. Um, and like we've really talked about, it's a three-man race. Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. I mean, they're the three best teams in the country. They really have no glaring questions. Uh, I know we're going to talk about Georgia later in the show, but that's just my opinion. I feel like it's a three-horse race this year. Uh, somebody will be good outside of them, but I think those three are the teams to beat. I do um, want to say I like the respect they gave to Utah. I do too. I like Utah. Cameron I like Rice. Utah. I like Utah a lot. I think they have a very, very well balanced team. They have a lot of returning players, and I think well, they're they really proved, comfortable in their. Scheme. They proved in that game against Ohio State they can hang, and that whole team's coming back. I mean, that could be a f- playoff matchup. Could yeah. be Utah, Ohio State again, uh, and I don't. I'm. I, we're going to talk about it here in a little while with uh, with the teams the most approved this year, um, but we'll we'll get into that here in a little while. Um, let's go to preseason All American reaction. Um, obviously, there's a lot of really good players this year. You know, headlined by a bunch of Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State players, but. I think one of the best players in the country is Braylon Allen, uh, the running back out of Wisconsin. I mean, they always have the some of the best running backs in the country, notably, you know, Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor, guys like that. But I think Braylon Allen and uh, could move up and be a dark horse Heisman candidate if he has uh, a really, really good season and Wisconsin ends up being really good. Um, another guy that I really like is Brock Bowers. Uh, I think if a tight end can win uh, the Heisman, it's Brock Bowers. Uh, I just think he does everything that you need to do. He receives, he blocks, he does his job as well as anybody, and he could arguably be the best player on that offense this year. So, um, What did you guys think about preseason All-Americans? I mean, it doesn't really matter. You got a whole season to play, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I think they did a good job. Uh, I definitely agree with you when you're talking about, um, you know, Braylon Allen. I think he's going to be a stud. It's not like we haven't heard that before from Wisconsin running back. Uh, The other thing I look at is Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be a freak of nature. Um, And obviously, you know, he's following a good line of Alabama uh, running back prospects along with him. Um, another underrated name that I really like is Nolan Smith, you know, the defensive end out of Georgia. Um, he had a big year last year, and I think he's going to have a, a much bigger role this year in a defense that lost a lot of very notable starters. I could see him having a very big year. Um, 
but that's that's kind of my thoughts. And then once again, like you were talking about Brock Bowers, uh, I don't know if I'm going to say he's next Kyle Pitts, but he is training in that direction. He's a very physical player uh, that can not only catch the ball, but also block very well. And him and Darnell Washington are going to be an unstoppable duo. Yeah, um, but and, you and you got to read Gilbert. So you got three tight ends that could, you know, possibly be, you know, first or second round, you know, draft prospects over the next couple of years. Let's be honest. Brock Bowers is a tight end. Kyle Pitts is a glorified wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, that's and that's would be my argument. Well, and that's where the blocking comes in. That's where that's where Brock Bowers is a phenomenal blocker to go along with, you know, he can catch anything that hits him. Well, and that's what they're saying, you know, Felipe Franks is gonna play tight end. And Kyle Pitts is going to play a hybrid wide receiver role. I mean, that's not even going to be – he's not even a tight end. I mean, that's where you can justify drafting guys that high is because they're going to play wide receiver, basically, for yeah. you. So, Cody, uh, Texas representative, Bijan Robinson, but um, if he can stay healthy, you know, that's definitely a really good option. But um, what would you think about – the AP preseason All Americans. I mean, what'd you what'd you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty good. I think uh, Henderson, uh, Trayvon Henderson from Ohio State, will have a good year. So focused on Jackson Smith and Jigba. That <clears throat> I think the run game will open up. I mean, he's already played great. Um, so I like the two top running backs. I like the all-purpose player being Deuce Vaughn. I think he's a really underrated guy. He doesn't have the size, but if you ever watch him in person, it's just a freak of nature with how athletic he is. Um, I think everything's pretty good. I think uh, it'll probably pan out pretty close to this. I think Kayshawn uh, Boutte from LSU, I, I watched him last year. He's pretty good, but I think his quarterback play will not be great, so I don't think he'll finish as a first team, or I think he'll be second team. Someone from the second team will jump up or something, but I think yeah, he's doing a good job on this. If Jalen Daniels can play well, that LSU is going to be better than people think. If he I plays, I think they'll be better. It's just guys like let's just say Worthy, for example, um, who's the first wide receiver on the second team, is going to easily have a better statistical season than Butte, or well, he had a better season than in Jigba last year. He like someone like that with a pass first offense, I think we'll pass them up. But all of these guys are going to be insane NFL prospects for next year. I, I really, it's an interesting thing for sure. I really do think that Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba is probably the best wide receiver draft prospect we've seen in some time. Um, I don't think there's a box he doesn't check, and he has the size, the physicality, and he plays when the, uh, when the uh, lights are brightest. Well, his and, contested catches are ridiculous. Uh, and and that's why I just think that, you know, he is well-deserving to be first team. I think, and I'll talk about it a little bit, I think he has a genuine chance to make a run at the Heisman um, this year, especially if, you know, however, it kind of goes hand-in-hand with C.J. Stroud a little bit. But I, I really do think that he's going to take a, even another step forward and be able to solidify himself as wide receiver one. Well, I do think Stroud will finish as the first team. I think his offense, even though Alabama's going to be great, I think Ohio State is primed, and C.J. Stroud looks great. Um, I think he will have a monster year. I think it's going to be a battle between him and Jackson Smith and Jigba battling for their own little Heisman. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I – there's a lot of guys. I mean, I don't – I wouldn't say he's necessarily the best if for me personally in the last couple of years. I mean, you when you have Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson who have moved it to the next level, um, I mean, you, you could say prospect-wise maybe, but, I mean, I'll, I'll take Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson right now. Um, they're both really good players. I mean, arguably the same. Uh, situations uh, they were with the number one pick quarterbacks I mean you're going to have Stroud who's going to be a top five pick uh, in the draft um, he might be number one you never know but um, it'll be really interesting I think Smith Najigba could be a really really good player um, 
as far as that, I think he will be wide receiver one. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. Uh, I think that C.J. Stroud would win it before he does. But, of course, you would have said Mac Jones would have won it uh, before Devontae Smith. But you see, you saw what happened there. So, yeah. Um, let's go on to coaches on the hot seat. Um, we we put three names down. Uh, Scott Frost, Brian Harson, Neil Brown. Um, Scott Frost is obviously the biggest name on this list, I think. Uh, they basically told him if you don't win seven-plus games, you're going to get fired. Uh, so – and I think they brought in a lot of good transfers. I just, I just don't, I don't see them lasting. Uh, what do you guys think about Frost? Cody, uh, go ahead. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't. <clears throat> I think it's a hard thing to really say. I mean, they had when you look at the record last year, it was horrible, but the way they played in those games, like they clearly have talent at least a little bit, but I think this year, if they don't, if, I mean, even if it goes the same way, if they're close in every game, but they still can't get over the hump, that's coaching. Like that is, you clearly have guys that stay in the game, but you can't finish it out. So he was supposed to come in there and be this slam dunk hire and bring Nebraska back to their glory days. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen anyways. Um, Teams have passed them up, but I think if he doesn't have a really successful season and I mean, it theoretically for Nebraska fans, it should be them versus Wisconsin um, for the big 10 title game, but I just see no way that's going to happen. So, I don't really think that he's going to have a job next year. I think they've been fed up with him. Um, I think Harson. everyone thought he was gone this offseason. Uh, then he found a way to come back. So I think both of those teams, Harson wasn't really supposed to be like a slam dunk hire um, per se like Scott Frost was, but I think both of them need a really productive season, but I don't see it coming from either team. I don't think – I just think Auburn's schedule just lines up against them every year. Yeah. For they sure. don't have – if they don't have the talent across the board, I mean, that's – it's with everybody in the SEC. I mean, you have to have almost the perfect year to get out of the SEC undefeated if you're not uh, – especially in the West if you're not Alabama. Um, Aaron, kind of give us your thoughts, Frost and Harson. Yeah, uh, I think uh, actually Brian Harson is more in a hot seat than Scott Frost. Um, and, you know, some of it is just alma mater, and some of it is exactly what Cody was talking about, was how um, Nebraska played last year and how they just barely lost some really big games. Um, I know that that's not a great indicator for how the record is and everything like that, but I really do think they're going to take some steps forward this year. Um I think Scott Frost is obviously he's on the hot seat and everything, but I really do think he is building some sort of team that can win games. And I, I mean, he's got to have to see it this year or he is going to get the boot most likely, but I really do think we're going to see it. And I could see them definitely making a bowl game. Um, as for Harson though, I mean, we saw Gus Malzahn there for at, at Auburn forever. And they were, you know, calling to have him gone after a six and six season. So, I mean, uh, as you were talking about, you know, when you're in the the uh, SEC West, week in and week out, you're never going to get a day off um, unless you get to your out-of-conference scheduling. But, you know, Brian didn't really do himself any favors, you know, in the offseason, um, didn't really handle the media well with the criticism. Um, but I, I really do think that he is he is on his way out. And, you know, Auburn fans, they're not used to losing. And as you were just saying, the schedule does not bode well in his favor. So I think he'll be on his way out here shortly. Um, I think the other thing, too, gotta is yours. He's got to have one more after this. They can't afford to pay. I mean, they can, but they owe so much money to Gus Malzahn, and they would owe so much money to Brian Harson that I think he gets three years. I th- Maybe, and, and but it really depends. You know, there is a world where Auburn, you know, has one of their worst seasons they've ever had in history. There is a world where that happens. 
Um, but you know, as, as we're talking about, we just got to wait and see how, see how it goes. Um, there's just a lot up in the air, but, uh, another big name, you know, I think, I really do think Mike Norvell. Um, and I know that Willie Taggart left FSU in shambles. Um, and you know, they had their starting quarterback out, you know, Travis Jordan should be back hopefully, but, um, I really do think that if he doesn't show, you know, significant progress here this year, that he will be, you know, uh, maybe the, the hottest coach, you know, um, coming into next season. Uh, I, I really do think that he has a lot to do. I know he wasn't, you know, brought into a program that uh, was near, you know, the caliber of some of these other uh, coaches were in, but, you know, he has a lot to do and he has a lot to accomplish this year. And I think this is going to be his big year as well. Well, I think they're ready for Dion. I think Florida State's ready for Dion right now. Uh, I think they want the big name. They want the flashy hire. I think Norvell kind of can see it. He can kind of sense that that's the next step for Florida State is going yeah. Dion. Which I don't blame them. I mean, that's you got to make a flashy hire when your team, when your program is in shambles. You got to go to somebody who's great with the media, great. He's going to be a great recruiter. Everybody wants to play for him. You've seen what he's been able to do recruiting at Jackson State. I mean, with the resources he would have at um, Florida State, he would he would do very well. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Mike Norvell's doing his doing what he can. He did a great job dipping into the transfer portal this this off season, and you know, he really was left a program that was in shambles. And I think he's trying his best to turn it around. It's just exactly what you're talking about. I think Dion is the bigger picture, and um, you know, I don't know what Mike's going to be able to do to turn that around. But um, you know, hopefully, a new infusion of a new coaching staff will help him out. Right. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's move on to teams uh, with some stuff to prove. Uh, we got six or seven teams here that uh, kind of put together a little bit of a list. Um, we've talked about them before. Let's talk about them again. USC definitely has the most pressure on them, I think, this season. Uh, with as much money as they spent, Lincoln Riley, you know, bringing all these guys in. I mean, you've – You've got to win. Um, you're in the Pac-12 for the time being, obviously going to the Big Ten. Uh, win one while you can if you're Lincoln Riley. Win one in the Pac-12 because your world is about to get much, much harder once you move to the Big Ten. Um, you just bring in Caleb Williams, bring in Jordan Addison. You bring in all these other guys from the transfer portal. Uh, they need, like I put on here, they need 10-plus wins and at least need to go to the Pac-12 championship. Uh, and I should have put it down, you know, they sh- they need to beat Utah one time. Uh, obviously, you'd like to beat them in the Pac-12 championship, but they need to beat Utah once. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on USC um, as far as the pressure they have to win? Cody, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely the biggest in college football this year. I mean – when you look at a team that changed so much in one off season, but then has this week of a schedule, you've got to expect um, great results from it. I mean, if you look at their schedule, I mean, they play Utah, who's should be really good. We've got a lot of high hopes for them. Uh, and then Notre Dame. And that's really it for the entire schedule of people that I really think that'll give them a struggle. Um, I don't really know how good Notre Dame is, but I do know how good Utah is. And I think uh, Caleb Williams and company really need to mesh as a team. I think there's been a lot of uh, drama surrounding the program. So uh, if they can shut that out and if they've been able to shut that out and focus on the season, I think uh, they're in great position to do really well. I just – don't really know how they're all going to mesh together. It's just a lot of money going into these players and not really caring about the team. So I'd like to see how the season rolls out for them. Yeah, Aaron, uh, kind of piggyback off what Cody said and 
what you think the pressure is for USC year one? Yeah, I mean, I think the expectation is to make the Pac-12 championship. Um, I think that's been the tone uh, all along. I think UCLA is going to be an underrated team. I like Dorian Thompson. Um, but, you know, they play Notre Dame last game of the season. Uh, I think they should win that game. Um, and I really do think they should be able to compete with Utah and, you know, probably beat them. Uh, I think the bar is set high. This is the weakest, you know, Power Five conference, um, in my opinion, and I think in everyone else's opinion, even the AP top. I mean, what are you saying? Hard to beat anybody twice. Yeah. Especially as good of a team as Utah. Utah hopes they lose to them in the regular season, just putting it that way. Yeah, oh, I I agree. I I think, but USC needs to make a Pac-12 championship game. Um, and I think they need to at least they need to they need to at least beat Notre Dame or Utah in the regular season. Um, and I think that's just what we're talking about, which is exactly 10, 10 plus win season. I would actually up that and say eleven plus win season um, because if they had a ten win season and lost to Notre Dame and Utah, I wouldn't call that a great season, um, especially with the uh, investment that they've just made. Even if Utah in the Pac twelve championship. If they beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship? Well, they would go 10-3 and three if they didn't. In that scenario, they would go 10-3 and three if they didn't beat Utah twice. If they lose to Utah and Notre Dame in the regular season, I think they have to beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship to call it a successful season. I think that, um, as you were talking about, they need to beat Utah at least once. And, you know, if they lose to Utah and Notre Dame, who are by far – you know, their fiercest competition in the regular season and then go on to lose in the Pac-12 championship, I don't think they've accomplished anything. Um, and I think really that you're, you're looking at, you know, a really – I think you'd be looking at a, a very pissed off um, uh, USC, you know, directors and board of mem- uh, and members. I really think they would not be happy with that. Right. Uh, we'll kind of go into the same type situation. Uh We'll go to Miami first. Miami's doing the same thing. All in. Mario Cristobal, they got the guy they wanted. They wanted him to come from Oregon. Uh, they get Gaddis from uh, Maryland, um, Maryland, from Michigan, uh, to be the OC. The staff is really good. The talent on the roster is pretty good. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke is one of the little inexperienced, but one of the better quarterbacks in football. Um and it also kind of goes down to Blue Bloods being good makes uh, college football a little bit better. Uh, the likes of Miami, USC, uh, Nebraska, Tennessee, all these teams that have been around for a long time. Um, Miami's expectations. Uh, Aaron, you go first. Kind of kind of lay out. I mean, the ACC is pretty well wide open, I mean, in my opinion, but – what do you kind of think about Miami doing a similar thing to USC? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, I think it's a little bit different. Um, I think Miami has been in shambles for quite some time, and it's good to see Mario Cristobal uh, turn them around. I think is what we're getting ready to see. Um, but I really think their clear motive this year should be to separate themselves from the rest of the ACC. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, you know, considering it's a weaker conference, but, you know, put them up there in the top three with NC State and Clemson. And I really legitimately think that Miami has a chance to beat one of those two teams. Um, I don't know. What's their schedule? Do, when, when do they play Clemson or NC State? Well, they play Texas A&M game three, and then um, they play Clemson second to last game. Pittsburgh last game. See, I could see, you know, those two. Uh, Pittsburgh, we'll see by the end of the season. Pittsburgh is always a well-coached team, but we'll see how Ke- uh, Keaton Slovis does. But, you know, I think that's going to be a big game for them at the end of the season with Clemson, especially, you know, they'll probably be a lot more comfortable in their offensive scheme. I think that could be a tr- um, You know, Miami has a little ways to go. I really like Tyler Van Dyke. I think he's going to be a great NFL prospect. Um, but I think the expectation is to separate themselves from the rest of the ACC for this year. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's go. Let's go to Notre Dame. Notre Dame decides to keep Marcus Freeman. I, I like the hire right now, um, but the schedule is not very nice. Uh, 
They pull Ohio State, Clemson, USC. They also play BYU in Las Vegas. Um, I think 10 wins is going to be really, really tough. Uh, and I think he's on a really short leash. I think they love him, but I'm a couple of nine, he's a couple of nine win seasons away from uh, seeing the – don't let the door hit you when you leave, you know. So, uh, what do you guys think about Notre Dame? Obviously, Marcus Freeman, very good, very good defense coordinator. But how do you think he'll do as a head coach? Cody, we'll go to you. Yeah, I mean, I love to see when he was named head coach how the team kind of gelled around him. Um, but like you said, the schedule was really tough. I mean, Ohio State, I see that as a blowout possibility. Um, I think. Notre Dame's a, a good defensive team, but I don't really see them hanging with a team like Ohio State. I don't think Notre Dame's a true number five. I think that's a little deceiving. Um, I think depending on how Clemson's offense looks, um, Clemson will take that. Uh, and I think USC should take that game if they play up to expectations. So I don't foresee another – Notre Dame chance at the playoffs. I think, relatively speaking, other than those three teams, it's a pretty easy road. I mean, you got UNC, but I don't think they're going to be incredible. Um, so there's not really a ton of teams out there. But I think the real serious question is um, for the future is if they're going to join a conference. I think that'll really. Uh, change the stakes for a team like Notre Dame because they get to pick and choose some of these really bad teams right now. But if they get in the conference, I mean, it's go time. You've got to really settle down. You're not going to get a chance at the playoffs for playing Navy every other week and playing a couple good teams. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting for the future for Notre Dame. But I think this year three losses is um, what I'm looking at. Right now, I also think this year's the first year Notre Dame, if they go undefeated, that they truly deserve to be in it. Oh, 100. If they go undefeated, absolutely. If they beat USC, Clemson, and Ohio State, I think they 100% deserve to be there. Yeah. What's your, what are Oh, I completely agree with that. I think that's a no brainer. Um, but I'm looking at, you know, besides Ohio State, besides Clemson, besides USC, some of these games they got stuffed in there are not easy games. I mean, we're talking about North Carolina. We're talking about playing Navy in the middle of the season. And no one likes to prepare for uh, the option in the middle of the season when you only have one week to prepare. Um, and then you got uh, Boston College. I am high on Boston College. Uh, Phil Yurkovich, the the uh, the quarterback for them. I am very high on Boston College. I think they are a team you do not want to see. Um, but I mean, they have a tough schedule. Marcus Freeman, you know, I think that the play staff likes him. Um, I do think that these players are going to be able to rally around him and you know uh, be able to go in week in and week out and put on a good performance. But you know, as you said, based on the ranking right now. You know, it's going to be really hard to justify that, especially when you get a couple weeks in and they're playing, you know, at Ohio State second week of the season. So, uh, or the you know, first week of the season, my bad. So, I mean, this is going to be, that's going to be a tough, really, you know, uphill battle for them. But, um, you know, we'll see. I think Marcus Freeman's a great coach and I think he's a good fit with the program. And obviously he's a, he's a player's coach, but, you know, not all players coaches pan out. So um, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, for sure. Let's uh, before we move on. Let's let's kind of look at uh, two SEC schools: uh, Florida, Tennessee. Um, Florida, you know, bringing in Billy Napier, knew the guy that they wanted. Go out, get him. Um, what are we? What are we thinking? Are the expectations for Florida this year? Um, I think you know he wins five games. I think they're calling for his head in Gainesville. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but that's kind of my opinion. But uh, what do you guys think on Florida? And then kind of give your thoughts on Tennessee. You know, uh, obviously the team, uh, majority of these guys uh, coming back, but um, wide receiver two with Cedric Tillman. I mean, you got to 
you got to find a guy who's really going to stand out. I know there's a couple options there. The running game is going to be back. Kind of touch on Florida and Tennessee. Aaron, you you go first. Yeah, so I'm going to start with Florida. Um, You know, as you were talking about AR-15, Anthony Richardson is a great, you know, possibly could be a great quarterback prospect. We'll see if he can, you know, hone in, you know, the accuracy and touch a little bit. Um, but yeah, you're right. I, I think there's a lot of holes that need to be filled for this Florida team. Um, and I just don't think that, uh, they need to have very lofty expectations for this first year. I could see them going seven and five, you know, six and six, I think making a bowl game, um, would be, you know, a good accomplishment for Billy Napier. I think seven and five being over 500 would be a great accomplishment for Florida this year. And I think it's something achievable because they do have, you know, superstar, uh, players and I think Anthony Richardson is one of those players um he can't put the whole team on his back but I think he can do it maybe you know one or two times and I think he can do it enough to get them to seven and five so I think that's Florida's expectation um and I think Billy Napier does bring you know some some um I think he does bring something to the offense uh a different dimension that I think is going to help Florida out that they haven't seen in a while um you know Tennessee I'm really excited about this year. I'm really excited about Dylan Sampson. I'm really excited about Jalen Wright once he gets back on the field and Jabari Smalls. Um, I think the defense is going to step up and be a little better than um, expected. Uh, I think the secondary is going to be better than expected, definitely. And um, I think a big question mark this offseason for Tennessee is who is going to be playing alongside Cedric Tillman? Who's going to be in that wide receiver two and three slot? Um, I'm hearing Walker Merrill has put on a show, uh, you know, over the uh, summer practices, and he has done a terrific job, and he is probably going to slide in to that rotation uh, or probably be a starter. But, you know, he was once a four-star, you know, receiver, was injured last year, and so this will be like his true sophomore season. So um, I'm expecting big things, and, I, you know, I think with Tennessee, I think they've really kind of executed this whole uh, – they really preached this whole next man up mentality – and I think a lot of the players have bought into that. And uh, I love Tim Banks as a defensive uh, coordinator. And you, know, you got Alex Golesh uh, and Heupel. I, I think this team is trending in the right direction. And, you know, you have one full offseason um, uh, in the book. So I think that's going to help this team a lot, especially when we're running a quick, up-tempo offense like that with a arguably top-five quarterback in the nation, Hennon Hooker. Cody, kind of give your give us your thoughts on Florida and Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I'm high on Richardson. I think a, I always like a big-bodied, uh, <clears throat> scrambling quarterback that has a cannon. Um, I think he's just a mismatch. I think defenses struggle with guys like that where you've got to worry about both things. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, Florida did not get an easy – luck of the draw with their two Western Conference opponents with A&M and LSU, I think. Um, there's just a lot of stuff stacked up against them, but I don't really think the expectations will be too, too high for Napier. Um, I think one positive, regardless of how the season goes for them, is that they're finally seeming like they're able to you know, keep some Florida guys home on the recruiting trail. They've really picked it up the last month. Um, Texas, Alabama, and Georgia were stealing a bunch of the five stars out of the state, and now they're kind of honing in on the defensive guys and bringing some big guys home. So I think that's just something to look towards for the future for Florida. I don't think it's – I mean, clearly it's not a win-now situation for them. Uh, So I think there's things to look forward to, but for this year I don't think it's going to be great. I think unless Richardson really explodes, that's their only real chance of being decent. Um, and for Tennessee, I think, I mean, I'll let Aaron talk on it more, as he said. I mean, I think they're really good. I think the only thing that people just need to watch out for is a, a Hendon Hooker slip-up, as in he's not been the best quarterback in the world for his however many years he's played in college. He exploded last year. Um, I don't want Tennessee fans to jump on his back if he makes a mistake early. Um, quarterbacks do that, but I could definitely see them jumping on him. Uh, I also say that I've heard what is, because I really don't know, is Brew McCoy still not eligible? 
Uh, I don't believe he's eligible. I believe they're waiting on USC to find the papers sign his release. Yeah. Okay. Um, I've been hearing a lot of like hype about him, but I think they should focus on dudes that they've had in camp. I don't think Brew McCoy is the answer. He has more suspensions and arrests than he does touchdowns, and he's played for three seasons. So I think Tennessee's got the talent. You just don't need to add certain egos into that lineup because I think Tillman can do it by himself, honestly, unless you're playing Alabama and Georgia. I think Tillman's talented enough and Hooker's talented enough to really make that offense flow regardless. So I think that's Tennessee's definitely primed with an easy out-of-conference schedule um, to really make a big run in the SEC. Yeah, I I read an article about Hooker. Um, I saw some comments about him. They were talking about how he was not a great quarterback at Virginia Tech and then comes to Tennessee. Uh, and that's, you know, a, a nod to Hypel. It's also a nod to the simplicity of the offense. Uh, there are a lot of similar sets, reads, plays out of, you know, formation different formations but they're the same plays there's different it's just a simpler offense and they said that that is set up so much in the favor of the quarterback uh and a guy who might have been let's say used differently than he could have been used at virginia tech uh finally has free reign does that make sense kind yeah of- and i agree and i think it helps too that you know hendon is uh, you could see him as the season progressed, get smarter, make smarter reads, make better adjustments at the line of scrimmage. He was able to feel more comfortable in the pocket and it helps having a veteran, you know, in the college atmosphere that's able to be comfortable in the pocket, but also has the ability to scramble and go get you a yard if you need it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not, that's not a knock on him. No, no, I'm just saying in this offense, it it further helps him in that aspect. It is a quarterback friendly offense. It is. Every quarterback who's ever played in Heupel's offense has succeeded. I mean, every one of them. And that is not – I mean, and they've had some good quarterbacks. You know, Dylan Gabriel, Mackenzie Milton, I mean, Hendon Hooker. These guys are good players. But it's definitely an offense that can let you take that next step. Um, quickly, let's talk about uh, – we've already talked about Utah a little bit. Uh, we've talked about NC State. Let's touch on Texas real quick. Uh, Guys, uh, trying to be uh, hopeful uh, to be a first-time college football playoff. I don't think it's this year. I think they're two years away, but two years away is also the SEC. Um, I think the roster will be there to be able to win in the SEC in two years, but I don't think it's this year. Um, Cody, you can kind of touch on that, but I think I think two years and they are – one of the best teams in the country, like not even like not messing with them, just like they're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, the loss of Nayer in a preseason scrimmage tearing ACL really hurts uh, this year's um, look on things, but I think they are primed to do pretty well. I would never say that. I think they're going to the playoffs this year. I think, People just look at Bijan and say this has to be the year, but you're really stupid if you can't look at that roster and see that there's three number one running backs in their recruiting classes sitting behind them. So they're definitely going to have the weapons for years to come. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Ewers pans out, but you know Arch Manning's coming. Um, regardless, I think they're going to have people. Offensive line prospects two years develop. Two two freshmen are now announced starters. Yeah, when they're juniors and get ready to go to the NFL, I mean, those guys are going to be, you know, top in the country. Well, Sarkeesian said he's never seen a freshman offensive lineman, speaking on Kelvin Banks, the number one tackle out of last year's class, said he's never seen an offensive lineman come in and look more NFL-ready mentally and physically than this kid like they said he was a starter day one didn't go to spring he was still in school day one of fall camp and he takes the starting spot 
over a three-year starter, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I really do think that they are – they're close, but I think this year it's just maybe not the year. I think Ewers kind of needs – Well, the defense needs – they've got a lot of good defensive recruits, and they just need to get in and get developed because um, if you're talking just specifically offensively, if Nayer didn't get injured, I think this year's offense would be incredible. But the defense – is not there yet. Aaron, kind of a little bit on Texas, and then we're gonna we're gonna get into some wrapping up stuff. Yeah, I mean they're a couple of years out. Um, I don't know. It's one of those I have to believe it when I see it, and that's just quite honestly how it is. We've heard Texas back for the past few years, and I'm not sold on Sarkeesian. So um, I really want to see you know how they perform. Um, like let's let's be real you know Kansas beat them last year Um, and by the way I'm high on Kansas too but that's neither here nor there we had Kansas football beat Texas last year I think they're trending in the right direction but I can't make any projections until I see them on the field and that's just how it is I could care less about uh, you know how good they play in practice I could really care less at this point Um, I really just think I just need to see them on the field before I can actually make an assumption about Texas football again Sorry, Cody. Uh, I'm not making any assumptions. <laughs> I, I don't trust anything that's happening over there. Don't worry. Um, let's let's get in here uh, quick. Um, Georgia can Georgia repeat? Just yes or no? No. Uh, I say, I say I, no. I think they can, um, but the reason I think they can is they're going to change schemes. I think you're going to have two, three tight end sets, and they're going to grind the clock, run the ball, game manage with Stetson Bennett. And I know they have, you know, uh, some gaps that need to be filled on the defensive side of the ball, but, you know, it's just it's turning into Alabama where there's a five-star behind a five-star behind a five-star. And uh, I really do think that um, – They've been not letting that happen again. Well, I'm saying is it – can they repeat? That's the question. Yes, I think they can repeat. I think the third-ranked team in the nation is a proper ranking for them. And as we talked about the start of the show, I think, you know, you got Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and everyone else. And I still feel very strongly about that. I think Georgia definitely has the ability to. (laughs) Do I think that Alabama has the leg up 100%? But um, let's just not discount Georgia. I think they can change schemes to, you know, support their superstar players and they just have a next man coming up. And I really think Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington and Arik Gilbert are going to be difficult to stop for any team. Um, and they have a great offensive line with a lot of guys returning, so we can't forget about that either. So in terms of their offense, I think it's going to change a little bit, be a little bit more compact to support some of these tight ends and these offensive linemen. Um, but defensively, we'll have to wait and see as well. I still think they have a lot of talent on the defensive side, It's just if these players can step up and play with the Alabamas and Ohio States of the world. Yeah, definitely. Makes sense. Um, We're going to kind of wrap up here in a second. Um, But I'm going to talk about my Heisman, my five Heisman finalists. Uh, I got Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Amir Gibbs. I've got uh, Will Anderson. And I – my – Dark horse Heisman candidate is Dylan Gabriel. And I will stand by Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I think he is the most, let's just say, seasoned quarterback in football. Uh, He's definitely thrown for the most yards. He's done the most as far as just stat-wise out of anybody. I think... In a pass-happy offense, if he has any sort of success and Oklahoma wins some games, I think he is definitely a dark horse uh, to be in New York. Maybe not win, but to be in New York. Um, Aaron, give me a dark horse. Cody, give me a dark horse. Mine. So mine's Dylan Gabriel. So I think I think my dark horse would be who we talked about earlier. And you can call him a dark horse or not. I think Jackson Smith McJigba would be a dark horse candidate. 
um, in this year's class. Uh, he is, I just, I just think it's difficult for a receiver to do it. Obviously we saw Devontae do it and he had a remarkable year. I think Jackson can do the same thing uh, is all I'm saying, especially in a pass happy offense, like you were alluding to. Um, I think that he is going to take even you know larger strides as a route runner and be able to uh, expand upon his route tree this upcoming year. And uh, I just, I think he's going to be an all around all world player um, by the end of it. And I think that he has a legit, chance to you know be a Heisman Trophy winner Cody who's your dark horse I'll go with Bijan just because I think the nation's top running back normally gets an invite even though they normally don't win I think with a freshman quarterback he'll have all the opportunities in the world to uh, get as many all-purpose yards as possible and we've seen it um, year in and year out that he can do that. So I just think they're going to lean on him really heavy, regardless of how Texas performs as a team. I think an invite, I don't think he'll win, but I think he could be invited. Yeah, I really, I really like him. I just feel like if he stays healthy, he's going to be in New York. That's my, yeah. that's my look at it. Uh, I think Gibbs is a dark horse too. I have called him a more athletic version of Josh Jacobs. Uh, I agree. That's, that's, that's my exact comp as well. That's my comparison. Uh, I think he could be really, really good. Um, I think he could be a Heisman finalist. I've got him as a Heisman finalist. I think he's going to give Bryce Young, uh, a run for his money. I think Bryce Young wins it again. I know it's so hard to do, uh, and obviously the odds of that happening are so low, but I really like Bryce Young. I really think Bryce Young is poised to have another really great year. I think if Alabama can, uh, being the number one ranked team in the country, they're going to come out with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, As you heard at SEC Media Day, Nick Saban said that that was a rebuilding year. for Alabama, which he just says that I think is an excuse. Um, but I really think they could be – they're going to be really good, and I think an Alabama player will win uh, the Heisman again this year. Uh, it might not be young, but I think it'll be a player off Alabama. Um, and then let's let's also do a dark horse for the college football playoff. Uh, we've alluded to our most likely big three. Uh, would we agree with that? Uh, yeah. You would say that Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, in some order, would probably be in the playoff? Yeah. Um, so let's let's discuss fourth. Um, Aaron, you first. Give me, give me your fourth. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're not going to say Utah. Um, give, me, give me a group of five. Give me a group of five. Give group me, of five, BYU. Give me one group of five and then give me one uh, power five. BYU would probably be my group of five at the moment. You um, think all those games? I think what? You think you think they can beat Arkansas, Oregon, Baylor, and Notre Dame? Yeah. Goodness. Is it if, – if you're going to give me – I think a group of five, it will be forever before a group of five ever comes in. They'll have to expand before a group of five comes back in. Oh, BYU goes undefeated, BYU's in. I mean, that's not – if those teams are in – Well, that well, – that, but that's what I'm saying. Like, they would go in if they won all those. And if you're going to tell me a likely group of five, I think it's them. Um, yeah, the road is tough, but I think they could do it. Uh but in terms of a legitimate who I think would be the dark horse for the fourth spot, I really like Baylor. Okay. Um, really, really like Baylor. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see obviously what they do. I love David around uh, Aranda. I think he's a great head coach. Um, I think he, he gets his players to play really, really hard, and I respect that so much. And I think they play really hard for him. They played great in that playoff game um, that they had last season. Who did they play? Not the playoff game. The uh, bowl game. Oklahoma. Wait. Their uh, bowl game? Baylor? Yeah. 
Ole Miss because Ole Miss. Um, what because uh, Corral got Corral, Corral went down. Or yeah, broke his ankle, whatever he, did. he wanted to play. Yeah, but I think the Big Twelve can be uh, exploited a little bit, and I know there's Oklahoma. We got Oklahoma State, obviously, but I think there's a route in which Baylor can rise to the occasion and beat those teams, uh, especially with the continuity that they have. So that would be my dark horse. And what's their preseason ranking? Like ten? Ten. Yeah, I mean that's that's my dark horse to make the playoff. Um, if we're not, you know, including Utah, I think Utah could end up being, you know, pretty heavily favored for that fourth spot by the end of the year. But I would watch out for Baylor. I think Baylor's going to be a good team. Cody, you're uh, – give us your dark horse. <clears throat> okay, so <clears throat> I would still say my dark horse is Utah because regardless of what the AP poll says, I think people are really expecting USC to win that conference. Um, but either one of those two, I think, are a dark horse for me. Um, group of five, I don't think it's going to happen – like you said, in a long time. But I could see out of the teams that are supposed to be pretty good in the group of five, I think Houston has the easiest route. I think Houston, um, they play Texas Tech and Kansas as their two uh, power five teams. And I think those are two teams that are not expected to be really good this season. I think Houston normally has an explosive offense. So I think someone like that could – make a splash I don't think they'll beat Texas Tech I don't think well I think they will be Kansas but I just don't think they'll I mean they normally struggle with Memphis you know all these teams like that so I don't really see it but out of the group of five I think they have the easiest route yeah I, I, I agree with that it's pretty good uh, pretty good analysis I think group of five I'm going to go with Appy State uh they play North Carolina and Texas A&M, uh, and they'll probably have to play Coastal Carolina twice. Um, I don't think they get in at that, um, but I just I think Appy State has a chance. Um, my dark horse, I'm going to say, is NC State. Uh, I think there are ways where NC State uh, is the best team in the ACC. Uh, I think there are ways where they go undefeated and win the ACC. So I would be uh, interested to see uh, how NC State does this year. But, yeah, so um, I've got one question before we wrap up. Um, Cincinnati goes undefeated again this year. Do they get in? Depends. What's their schedule? I would they say play Arkansas and at Arkansas, and then they yeah they're not they're not even going to get through. Who is their projected starting quarterback? They're not even going to beat Arkansas. I don't know why we're having this conversation. They're not going to beat Arkansas, so no, I veto that. Well, I just think they're out coach Arkansas. I don't know, man. Got KJ Jefferson. Yeah. It's just it, it, the, the tough thing for me with Cincinnati is they lost so many pro boy. What? The Pillsbury throw boy who lost his yeah. receiver. Look, I just think the tough thing for me with Cincinnati is how many players they lost. Okay, but I'm asking if they go undefeated. The same with BYU. If yeah, they go fair. undefeated, do they get back in? I think it's yes. I think they are strongly considered for that fourth spot if they go undefeated again. But they I think have- it also depends on what the other teams in these other conferences do. If oh, yeah. I mean, if there's an undefeated team, like say Utah goes undefeated, I say they get in over them. No, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not meaning that. I'm not meaning a Power 5 undefeated champion. I'm meaning they go undefeated again. You know? I don't know. I don't know. I mean – you have a hard you'll have a hard time keeping them out. Yeah. Well, you got Arkansas and Indiana. Indiana. I mean, I guess you could throw in SMU if they end up being all right. But and I'm not even sold on Indiana after they played last year. Um but man, that's if that's you tough. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I that, as as Cody was saying, I mean I think you'd need to have one of the top three slip up. Yeah. Well, yeah, if there's not two SEC teams, they definitely get in if they go undefeated. I don't think there's a question. Yeah, maybe. 
maybe. But the question is, is do two Pac-12 teams get in? If USC goes undefeated, runs the table, and Utah only loses to USC in the regular season, and then beats them, beats them in the championship game, do two Pac-12 teams get in? I don't know. I think it's possible for USC with a loss if they beat Notre Dame, depending if Notre Dame's a top-10 team. I've been reading that even if Utah loses to Florida game one, they can get in, and I think that's true. Well, look, I don't know how Utah's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Florida at Florida, but I took that bet yesterday, took that bet last <laughs> night, so I'm feeling really good about it. Because, um, I mean, I, I know it's the first game of the season, uh, and, you know, you're traveling to the Swamp. I think Utah has so much experience that is not – accounted for and i think they are definitely deserving of that seventh ranked spot in the nation um and i think that's going to be showcased here this uh against florida in the swamp um and i think that's quite frankly going to be showcased this season i think utah has quite a few ways that they could snag that four spot even if the top three remain intact yeah utah's gonna run all over people this year just like they did against oregon tavion thomas is going to be a really good running back I mean, they literally had 300 yards of rushing in the first half against Oregon. If you wanted to throw in a, a, a dark horse, throw in Tavion Thomas. Yeah. I think Cameron Rising is also. Yeah. I think if they have a really good year. I mean, I don't know why we're not. I mean, we'll wrap up right here. But I think Caleb Williams is a is one, too. Yeah. It's just he's got to clean up. He's got to clean up some mistakes. Um, right, but and that's obvious. It's really good. I mean, Jordan Addison is also an option, wide receiver wise. I mean, if they play really good and Caleb Williams has a, you know, throws for four thousand yards, but has some interceptions, he could definitely be an option. Um, but so, Aaron, did you want to go with your three, uh, three bets for? this week or do you have any for the I don't really have I mean I think I would take look they keep they keep betting more and more in Arkansas so if you had it like a week ago I would have taken the Arkansas money line over Cincinnati um and I think they're like a eight and a half point favorite over Cincinnati or seven and a half point favorite but I'm taking the Utah one I don't care where they go to play I think Utah is better than a two-and-a-half-point spread against Florida. Are you kidding me? I think they beat Florida by more than a field goal. I think they beat them by 17 points or something like that. So I took that bet, and that's like 10 to win seven. Um, so that's a pretty good bet. I forgot the odds. It's like plus 137. So, you know, if you want to make some money and you feel pretty good about it, take that one. Um, another interesting one is Vanderbilt versus Hawaii to kick off the SEC um, uh, kick off SEC play, which is coming up this Saturday. I think uh, Vanderbilt last I saw was an eight or eight and a half point favorite over Hawaii. And I know that Hawaii is not exactly the greatest team ever. And I really do like Clark Lea as a coach for uh, uh, Vanderbilt. But come on, man, they're, they're going to Honolulu. I mean, that's not an easy travel. And, you know, you're playing in Hawaii's. It's going to be the first game of the season. A lot of stuff to not expect. Um, you know, it's and like, Vanderbilt lost to ETSU last year. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we're talking about a world beater here in uh, Vanderbilt. So I think that's a, I think that's a game that if you, if you could take the, you know, uh, if you could take not the money line, if you took the spread and said, hey, I think Hawaii could, you know, be within a touchdown of Vanderbilt, I think that's another good bet. Especially at home. Um, real quick before we finish up, uh, Vanderbilt, Hawaii, who wins? Uh, Vandy by three. Rainbow Warriors. <laughs> I'm going to take the Rainbow Warriors. I like Vandy. I like Clark Lay, but I just don't think they're very good. Neither is Hawaii. Uh, it's going to be an ugly game at 1030 at night. <laughs> um, That's the other thing, too. I mean, it's 1030 at night. That just can't be. This is the worst travel for Vanderbilt. Yeah. You know, it's been, been there for two weeks. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, yeah, they're just sitting on the beach. 
yeah, they're just sitting on the beach not practicing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I really just I, Hawaii. I think Hawaii covers the spread. I mean, it'll be a really good game. Well, it'll be a really uh, bad game that ends up <laughs> maybe and, saving and people some money. Scott Frost, as he win his first game in Dublin Saturday at twelve thirty. Yeah, who they? Oh, they play Northwestern. Northwestern. Yeah, yes, they beat Northwestern. Northwestern has I love Pat Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald, but they have way too many holes. Um, I think they beat them. Uh, let's say by ten. So you think they cover also? No, I don't think they'd be covering. What are they? A fourteen? They're a thirteen point favorite. I think they cover. I think I think Casey Thompson will play good. And the coldest. The coldest Crawford will get that AC running. The greatest NIL deal <laughs> of all time is the coldest AC. Um, that also, is- hold on. I have one more bet before we go that okay. people should look into. And my roommate put me on this. Alabama is minus 140 odds to win the SEC. And I would take those odds. Oh, yeah. That's like the ten dollars pay seven bucks. I mean, I think it's a no brainer. Yeah, is that when, like, when the SEC championship? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. That's a pretty good one. See, so but, there you go. There's there's Aaron's board. <laughs> all right. Well, you, you guys look forward to it. Next week we'll be. Uh, We'll be splitting into two uh, two episodes. We'll be doing a Thursday-released um, college, and then we will be doing a Friday release for pro football. Uh, me and Aaron will be doing pro. Me and Cody will be doing college football next weekend. Um, so be sure to stay tuned for updates for our next couple episodes. Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.